Hi, I'm Stuart, and I want to say happy anniversary, Soma. <laughs> I thought I'd try and put it together, you know, Somaversary, but I'm not sure that's going to catch on. Somiti, I've been working on for 10 years, and everyone just thinks that's the normal word now, Soma Committee, but I think Somaversary just won't take off. But it is great to be here and celebrate. And uh, uh, whether you've been here 10 years or 10 months or 10 weeks, uh, welcome. And it's just great that you're here and great that you're part of this church. Uh, when you um, uh, think about how we want to function, we want to value people whether they've been here a long time or a short time. Uh, I don't know if you've had the experience where you go into a party and uh, you know, everyone's having a conversation and somebody just says something completely random, you know, I'll have mine in the blue mug. And everybody starts laughing and you go, what? That is not funny. And then someone turns to you and says, oh, you weren't here, you'll never get it. But then somebody else turns to you and says, oh, let me explain what happened. You know, this is a little bit of let me explain what happened. Uh, this is to bring everybody up to date, to help you know what this party is about. And uh, the other thing more particularly I want to say is that one of the values we've had over the years is not longevity of service uh, creates a contribution, but what gifts you have to bring. And one of the things that I found quite delightful was just to hear uh, 10 minutes ago the different people giving testimony to various things. It's almost written my talk for me. You know, if, I, if you think I just was scribbling things down as people were talking, you've got a sense of it. And so that's a joy for me because the values that we've been trying to instill in the life of our church, I heard reflected back to us, which is a real pleasure to hear. Um, what I want to do this morning is just take a little bit of time, just uh, 10, 15 minutes of very most, 10 minutes. 12 minutes, Dave, uh, just to talk about some of the Bible themes. And then Dave's going to talk about some of the history and some of the things that we've tried, failed in, learnt from, experienced, tried, succeeded in, etc. So that's where we're headed this morning. First thing I want to say is that if you come to this church and you listen to the preaching, if you go to the Bible study groups and hear what people are sharing, you will have just standard evangelical, that is Bible-believing Christian faith taught to you. That is what we're about. Uh, you will hear about God who is a trinity, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You will hear about Christ as the only way to the Father. If you want to be saved, you must be saved through Christ, through his death and his resurrection. That is what brings us life. Uh, when you come here, you'll find out that we trust the scriptures. We don't just talk about them, we trust them to show us Christ, to show us the way of salvation, to, to know how to live our lives. Uh, when you come here, you'll learn to live by God's Spirit and that we are disciples of Christ because His Spirit is aiding us day by day. You'll find out that we want to live in community, community together and in our broader community. We want to engage in the community way which is positive and helpful and healthy. They're the things that we want to do. You'll also hear that we anticipate Christ's return and his judgment on evil and his, uh, the salvation that he provides for us for eternity. They are standard Christian things. I wish they were taught in every church. They are in many, maybe most churches, and you'll hear those things here. So that's, that's the, the stock standard. That's the teaching. But now I want to give you four different emphases. Because every church will emphasize different things for different uh, historical reasons, different reasons of where they are, what time frame they're in, what issues need to be addressed. So let me give you some of the emphases of our church. The first one is that the gospel shapes our lives, all of our lives. It shapes it in real time. Not just a once upon a time I became a Christian kind of discussion and now I'm living my life much differently. But day by day, that's one of the, the mottos, one of the themes, one of the ideas that we have here. We want your life, I want my life to change again and again because we are following a Christ who calls us to new things each day. 
one of the little phrases we use is we want people to have a gospel fluency. We want to know that you can talk about the gospel, these wonderful truths of salvation in your own life, to yourself. Minister to yourself with that, but also speak it into other people's lives. And that's why our gospel communities are so big on gospel fluency, that it can just come out. And we may not be the best at it, we may not be perfect at it, we might explore around, but we want to get better at that. There's also a humility that comes. When you keep confronting the gospel, it it keeps calling you to repent. You keep having to go, actually, I have stuffed up. Actually, I'm not as good as I thought I was. Actually, I was going okay for a while, and then, then things took a dive. And so that sense of humility in our walk together, not just before us and God, but before us and others, is a key thing. We can repent and believe the gospel today. It's also, and this is a theme that was mentioned earlier, about there's an integrity between what we do on a Sunday and what we do the rest of the week, about what we do when we gather as Christians or when we sit for our you know, 10 minutes of prayer or a half hour of prayer in the morning, when we, when we think about that and what else happens for the rest of our week. There's an integrity between those things. That's what we want. And that's why our gospel communities and our DNAs, as we mentioned earlier, are so important because that's the, that's the, the normal way we will do that. I guess with our own reflection on scripture, but then in community together. So that's the first emphasis. The gospel shapes our lives in real time. The second emphasis is that we focus on those who don't come to church. This is something that Dave and I spent a lot of time thinking and talking about 11 years ago before this thing started. How do you actually think about the 80 or 90% of people who will not come to church? How do we we put the effort into them? And most of church activity is spent on the 10% who will come. The, you know, the, the few percent who do and the others that might come. But we wanted to think, how do we actually live in a way, how do we help ourselves and how do we help our church to live in a way that thinks about the 90%, 80% of people who just aren't going to come? And, of course, that gospel community engagement in our neighbourhoods is so critical for that. Um, that posture of asking who's not here and how do we reach those people? Because God wants those people to know him. God wants the best life for them. And so that's part of what we want to do. We want Christ to be worshipped. Because when Christ is worshipped in whatever place, whatever time, whatever culture, whatever country, when Christ is worshipped, the world is better. Those people are better. We are better. And that's what we want. So that's one of our our emphases, focusing on those who aren't at church and how do we reach out to them. The third focus point number four, is to distinguish the gifts that we have. And that was referenced earlier by people too, wasn't it? To distinguish the gifts that we have and that we want everyone to be able to minister to each other. This is such an important thing. It's so rare. And it it struck me. I'd been the pastor of three different churches. And uh, then then we started this. And um, the, the marked difference in my own understanding of maintenance mode versus mission mode was so, so marked. I started preaching differently. I started noticing different things in the scriptures. And to to have this this idea that we could use our gifts to minister to each other for the benefit of people, that that comes up in mission. If you're in maintenance mode, you only need three or four gifts in a church. Everyone else just comes along and does stuff. But when you're on mission, you actually need everybody. You need each other. And that is such a joy to discover. Because all of a sudden, you're not sitting around thinking, I should have that gift because there's only two or three that I need and I don't have that one. But all of a sudden, your own gift becomes essential for the mission of God. Because we work together at that. We value each other in a new and a fresh way. And I love that. I love it. And the other thing is that personally, 
we get this incredible benefit from using our gifts because we discover God made me this way, he wanted me this way, and I have a valuable thing to do in the world. Isn't that a beautiful thing when you actually can live that life? Answers so many things about the disruption and anxiety and isolation we feel in our modern society is when you know what your gifts are, you're using them for God in the community of God's people. So distinguishing the gifts we have and encouraging everybody to use them. And then the last point is engaging in the community. Not just our little missional communities, but those engaging in the broader community. We have a cultural mandate, something that Dave taught in some of those early sermons. Uh, when God set up this world and he sent Adam and Eve to go and do stuff, it was to make the world a better place. And that still sits upon us. And we do it with all the energy and competence that we have as Christian people, with the spirit of God and the knowledge of Christ, to be able to make that difference. And I love the little phrase that, uh, that we have in, in the Blue Mountains as it, was in he- as it is in heaven. I just find that such a helpful, a beautiful phrase. And I love the fact that we've got uh, some of our GCs are really mountainsy kind of, you know, on ballet. I had a different name for them, but they rejected it. <laughs> I won't go over that again. <sighs> anyway... But out in the mountains and our music group, you know, this is a kind of music crafty kind of place. And we have a little little groups doing things like the, the music, the album and stuff. And that we're in our communities and we're getting to know people. I think that's just a wonderful thing. And that we engage the community. I think we've got more to do in this. I think we've got other ways to sort of make a bigger impact, even as the hundred people we are, a bigger impact in the Blue Mountains. I think that's ahead of us. But to engage as small communities in our wider community, this place, this time, is one of our themes as well. Well, I think those ideas have shaped our church. And uh, you might come up with other things. There's lots of other things, I guess. But, but I think we've heard those in those testimonies earlier as to engagement in the life of our church in 10 years. And I think it's a wonderful thing. And I think our hope is that when we have these emphases, uh, that the gospel shapes our life in real time, that we focus on those who aren't here in church, that we distinguish our gifts and we encourage people to minister in mission that way, and that we engage more in the broader community of the Blue Mountains. I think when we do those things, it leads to a deeper enjoyment of God. Each of us get to enjoy God a whole stack more. I love that. It means that there is a greater power to live better lives. I love that. I love seeing people overcome sin in their lives. I love it when I can do it myself because I'm empowered by this kind of idea. There's an opportunity for people to come to know Christ who don't get to know him otherwise, who get to know all the benefits and the blessings of knowing the Lord Jesus in their life and all the good things that he speaks into each one of us. We get to have more of that. We get to have a richer fellowship as we enjoy the gifts we have together. We're we're travelers together working behind our great Christ, our, our, our leader, our apostle. Uh, That's a wonderful thing to to be that group of people together. And we have a better society around us too. We actually build a better Blue Mountains when we live this life for Christ in the mountains. It is a wonderful thing. And I just want to finish up saying I think that's a church worth being part of. I, I rejoice that God has called me to be a part of this church. And I hope that's the experience for everybody else here too. Praise the Lord. Thanks. Hey, guys. Good to see you guys. Hey, that album, uh, we have filmed and recorded two other songs, right? Yes. So, and then there are four others on the way as well. So seven in the pipeline. So we're getting there. So very exciting. That was so good. Wow. 
I did, Toby sings so well. Like, was anyone else surprised by how good that was? Like, that, no, not at all. That was, that was sensational. And, oh gosh. So, thank you God for Toby. Um, commemorating 10 years is a great time to reflect on what God has been doing among us. Every church, as Stuart said, is different with different emphases. And our heartbeat as SOMA has been discipleship to Jesus and creating environments where discipleship to Jesus can happen. And there are three environments that we think are important for discipleship to Jesus. And they are life on life, life in community, and life on mission. Um, We didn't start with this description, we started with gifts discovery, project discovery and love discovery. Thank you, Bruce Coomer. Excellent stuff. But we've ended up with life on life, life in community and life on mission. We're aware that a drift can happen in churches and we begin to see the Sunday gathering as almost the totality of our church involvement and experience, whereas being a disciple of Jesus is something that happens in the everyday. It's all of life, where we learn to follow and trust and obey Jesus in the everyday stuff of life together and train each other in that. And we realised for that to actually happen effectively, we need to be living life on life, life in community and life on mission with Jesus at the centre and the gospel at the centre. Because the way Jesus discipled his disciples was life on life, life in community, life on mission. And so that's our playbook for discipleship. Life on life, we have to get close. We have to be seen and known. This is what's called life on life. Life that is lived up close so that we're visible and accessible to one another so that others can gently peel back the layers and join with us and with God in our restoration as they speak the gospel into those situations. Life in community, if you look at the ministry and life of Jesus, you certainly wouldn't conclude that discipleship was primarily one-on-one. Clearly, Jesus discipled his disciples as a group. They experienced life in community together. In the early church, in Acts chapter 2, They were devoted to a common life together. Jesus' way of discipleship was more than one-on-one. The church is Jesus' body and we have many parts in one body, many parts working together in community using various gifts so that we're all built up in love. So we each are called to do our part. And so we need to be in community in the everyday for that to happen. So life in community and thirdly, life on mission. Jesus didn't say, come to a class I'm running and I'll train you. And he didn't say, the synagogue is enough. He said, come follow me uh, and I will make you fishers of men. Join with me on the mission in community and I will train you and I will disciple you to be disciple makers as you are involved with me in that disciple-making. Jesus took them on mission. That was central to his discipleship. 
They could observe everything Jesus did. They could see how he rebuked the leaders who were making it hard for people to come into the kingdom of God. They could see his compassion for those who were broken and in great need. They could see his power over the demonic. They could see him give his life on the cross for the sins of the world. And they listened and they watched and they saw what all of this means. And then he got them to share in some of that mission, some of that work. He sent them out. They messed up, but he trained them. He corrected them. He was with them, helping them learn this stuff. And he was with them for over three years of intense community discipleship in the context of mission. And it didn't all go perfectly. And so then he was able to train them in their weaknesses and their failures and help them. Um, Discipleship requires engagement with mission. We learn on the job. So this is what we came to understand in SOMA, that discipleship to Jesus, we need to work out how we can do life on life, life in community and life on mission, with Jesus at the centre and his gospel. So we started asking how can we do that in our context We realise that this life-on-life, life-in-community, life-on-mission style of discipleship was happening at beach mission. So all these young adults go off on beach mission every year at Christmas time. So those three things were there at beach mission. They were also there in university ministries, uh, kind of, and also in young adults going on mission trips. Uh, So those were three contexts of discipleship, which were life on life, life on community, life on mission. And they are effective. And they have been very powerful in the church. But only a few people have been involved in that. How do we make that style of discipleship for everyone and accessible to all people right through their lives, rather than just young adults who happen to go to university or beach mission? And so we thought, how are we going to do this? And so we came up with the idea of live groups. Uh, These later became missional or gospel communities. And these are an attempt to see these three discipleship contexts together. Life on life, life in community, life on mission. Missional or gospel communities are a great context for discipleship because they bring those three elements together. Uh, And so missional communities are a place where disciples can thrive and flourish uh, together. And this changes everything. This changes everything. When people are discipled well, the church comes alive. So much more happens. And there is a dearth of discipleship in the church in the Western world. There is a crisis that people are just simply not discipled very well. They don't know how to live as disciples of Jesus in the everyday, how to bring up children, how to be on mission in the family, how to deal with conflict. So many people are just going to a gathering on a Sunday, once a month in many cases, or twice a month, and that's just simply not discipling them efficiently, effectively. So we're passionate about this. It will change everything. We're a movement that wants to see this happen everywhere, not just in our church. Now, again, we didn't articulate this very clearly at the start. 
We started with this idea of live groups. Live groups were initially Stuart's idea, uh, my title. <laughs> but, but Stuart's idea, but when he first said it, I nearly jumped out of my skin. And I remember I went straight to the Sampsons, Michael and Jenny Sampson's place, and I was so excited about it. And I knew this was the bomb. This was the great idea. This was it. This was what we're living for. And um, we started Original Live as a pilot live group who was part of it. Jabin, Laura, Ronit, Libby. Yes, Chris. Who else? Double A and Eleanor, Original Live? No. Later. Later. And I remember that first uh, planning meeting. I don't know. I just it was electric. I don't know. Chris and um, Katie Katie Richardson was part of that as well. And sorry if you don't know these names. Um, it was oh, it was great. And we started a lot of other live groups. And Katie Richardson came up with the slogan "Live, God's Kingdom in Real Time." We got that slide, yeah. God's kingdom in real time. How cool. And then we went ballistic with the concept of a hive. You know, and the idea was we're like bees. We're all industrious for the kingdom. We're all activated. And so we went for it and we had the live leader guide. Next. Bruce Coomer, like, wrote this 80-page leadership guide. Amazing. Entry live and live fives. We went ballistic. We really did. We really did. It was crazy good. Like our church went from like 20 people to 200. This is the, before we started SOMA. Um, there was all this energy. And then in 2009, Jesse Gardner dragged me along to an Acts 29 conference in Sydney where Jeff Vanderstelt, who started SOMA, was speaking. I heard him speak and I quickly realised that what we were trying to do, to do Soma was doing even better, that they'd thought through how to do it, how to grow it, and how to plant churches of it. And immediately I knew what the rest of my life was going to be about. And in a flash, I was on a plane to, to, to Tacoma in you know, Washington State, uh, US of A, attending Soma School. And then through a series of events, we decided to plant a new church based on Soma principles, um, Soma Blue Mountains. Based on life on life, life on community, life on mission, i.e. missional communities. And we were the first Australian SOMA church. I then got SOMA leaders, especially Todd Moore, to come out and train us and then to go with me on tours of Melbourne, Adelaide and Sydney. And we did that twice a year for many years. And we were able to do some serious networking and training and meet up with denominational heads in those three cities and we did a lot of knocking on doors and phone calls and you name it and God raised up a SOMA Australian movement and I knew that we were not able to do this by ourselves. We needed to have a movement of SOMA churches, we needed others around us doing it as well as we worked out how to do it, we needed support. And we started Soma Blue Mountains with originally four missional communities. Uh, now we have nine. And it was hard. And we had to say goodbye to 
at least 200 or 300 people who were in the congregation that I was pastoring as part of uh, Springwood Anglican. And so I was not the only pastor in that church. I was just one of the junior pastors. And so we had to say goodbye to 250 or so people. That was, that was actually not that easy. And we were all by ourselves in a hall in Glenbrook and we didn't have any of the facilities that we used to have, which was spectacular, back at Springwood Anglican with all its centres and all its facilities. Uh, and it was like entering the wilderness, wasn't it? <laughs> it was like, oh my goodness. And we had some very tough things to deal with and we made some mistakes and quite a few people left as a result and there was real heartache uh, and many of you stayed, (laughs) many of you stayed and despite kind of the the feeling that of, of kind of this wasn't working or that this wasn't going to work You hung in there and you stayed committed to the vision and I thank you for that, those of you who who did that. God bless you because that has made this all possible. Thank you very much. Um, And Jack and I partly organised that slideshow of past members because we want want to honour past members. And I think 150 to 200 people have left us over this time too. So there's a lot of people who've had a part in getting this whole thing going. And it hasn't been easy. We particularly struggled with the mission aspect. I think we've always been good at the life-on-life, life-in-community aspect, but not so good with the life-on-mission aspect. It was a whole learning curve for us. But God started sending us people with strong missional giftings. Michael and Therese Harding... uh, Hargraves, uh, Tom and Ruth, and then later Andrew Gombossi and Heidi, and then more recently Mel and Dan and Chris and Maz and Geordie and Beck and Cam and Chanel and Sam and Katie, I think, are in this category too, and, and Zara and, and many of you who've come who've got a real strong missional thrust in your lives, and that's really, really helpful. Uh, of course, Toby and Ro and James and Hannah, Claire and Jeff and... Quite a few others were also missional drivers. But it's, it's really, I think God has sent all these people who are real missionary warrior types uh, to really drive us forward. And, and that's great to see. And of course, we've needed all of you guys who are pastoral, all of you guys who are so creative, all of you guys who are admin or organisationally um, really with it and writing our own constitution and... <coughs> keeping under budget and giving money to other Australian churches and other Soma churches overseas. It's, it's been a lot of people using their gifts very productively and fruitfully. We've survived. 80% of church plants fail. So I think 10 years, can we say we survived? <laughs> I think we can. <laughs> we web. Have we weathered our storms? I don't know if there are any other storms coming. It's one of my nightmares. Uh, I don't want to go through another crisis, please. Uh, We've worked out a lot, though, and we have established an Australian SOMA movement. That's pretty cool. And we seem to be in a period of growth at the moment. 
which feels a bit like the momentum that we had back before we started Soma Blue Mountains, uh, when we started live groups. And I say that because I think a lot of us thought that when we planted Soma Blue Mountains, that momentum that we used to have would just continue. But it didn't happen like that. We actually were, yeah, in the wilderness. We had a lot of hard things and we've had to tough it out. However, despite toughing it out, we're still here and we are now beginning to see growth and we certainly have seen an, a movement established across the country. So God has been good to us. Let's see where God takes it from here. Um, our heartbeat, though, is discipleship to Jesus. And what we're doing is not a new concept, even though many people think it is. It's just organising something that is very biblical. And we've created a new language because that helps us because our minds easily default to structure and stability and we compartmentalise things. We do some things for this and some things for that. Perhaps it's our Western culture mindset. We're super structured and programmed. And so we easily fall back to thinking of church as an activity on Sunday with programs rather than following Jesus in all of life together in community. And so there's a rewiring in our thinking that we constantly have to do and we have to help people who are joining us do. It's easy to drift back into thinking of church as a programmatic Sunday event. And we love predictability and convenience and to be able to say, oh, I've accomplished what was expected of me. I've ticked the box of going to the gathering and being on a roster. So we have to keep reorientating towards everyday discipleship, life on life, life in community, life on mission. That's actually not our fallback position. We need to keep fighting to keep that mindset alive and keep living it. And I think movements like SOMA are very important for the kingdom. And we're not the only ones saying this kind of stuff. Um, because really we are a movement trying to push and nudge and move the church across the world, Western world, towards the core business of life on life, life in community, life on mission, following Jesus in the everyday. And so I can only assume that because we're on the right track and because... This is so important for God's kingdom. Therefore, that's why God is blessing it. Amen.